Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman, unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode of the Grow My Revenue Business Cast, I'm joined by Chris Yoko, founder of Yoko CEO, and really an expert when it comes to digital marketing. I asked Chris, what's the biggest mistake most businesses make with respect to digital marketing? Why a website with a high bounce rate might actually be a good thing? And how you end up with a conversation with your clients where you focus on results and shift the client conversation to value instead of price. So without further ado, here's my discussion with Chris Yoko. Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So what else should our listeners know about you? Uh, about me, just that uh, you know, really like to focus on results and measurement. I'm kind of competitive, so everything I do, I try to be able to measure and then outperform. <laughs> So that competitive streak, not always a bad thing. So those kids in school who are overly competitive and people say, oh, you know, Billy's a little bit too competitive, maybe not a bad thing when they get into business. Have I got the industry for them? <laughs> That's awesome. So now when you say everything's measured, everything's competitive, what do you mean by that? What's valuable to measure? I mean, whenever it comes to your web presence, uh, I find that there's not much that isn't worth measuring. Um, you know, there is occasionally data overload, but if you know how to look at the information and what's important and what's not, you'd be amazed at what kind of trends you can find. Um, so everything from how long someone spends on a page, how far they scroll, what they highlight, where their mouse moves, where you're ranking in search, keyword volume, search competition, a lot of different factors play in and all the way through to their, you know, your sales process, contact forms, everything. One of the things that, that strikes me as we're, as we're getting into this discussion is I know there are a ton of mistakes that businesses make with respect to their digital marketing, their websites. What are some of the ones that you see that are most prevalent? The most prevalent, people tend to see their website as the main issue where it's a symptom of something larger. And because they just see it as that symptom, they don't think about it in the long-term role it needs to play. And so the biggest mistake we see is people just don't start with the end in mind. They want to fix the problem now. They want to fix the short-term issue that they have. And they don't think about the fact that they're going to run into something very similar in another four months, six months, and a year. What, can you give me an example of that? I mean, what, do you, what do you mean when you say they're not necessarily thinking about the end in mind? So, you know, a lot of People, like you said, we work across a lot of industries, and one of the things we see almost across the board is, oh, our website's old, it's outdated, it doesn't work on mobile, it's hard for us to update. Some of these shorter-term things, but they may not focus on the long-term, oh, you know what, our you know website is no longer delivering results, or we don't show up in search results for these key search terms anymore, or people are unable to access you know the contact information that they need to get a hold of us. And so those are kind of the short-term things that people tend to take a look at. And then you have the long-term things where if you're going to go through this process of redesigning a website or rebuilding your web presence, it's about the same amount of effort if you do it just to solve those short-term goals. Or if you say, you know what, this is what we'd love our web presence to do. Right now, we get 10 contacts a month through our website, and we want to get to the point where we get 50 qualified contacts. How do we make that happen? 
So being able to really start understanding that the value a web presence can provide to you and build with that focus as opposed to just a let's solve these short-term issues. If right now people can't pull up your website effectively on a mobile device, the mistake that someone could make is say, well, I just need to make it so it's a responsive design so I can make it show up on the mobile device. And what you guys look at is three or four steps beyond that that says, so let's say you could deliver it on the mobile device. What would you want that experience to be like? What actions do you want the user to take once they're there? And how are you going to measure the results of that? Because just because it works on a mobile device doesn't necessarily mean that it's better. Absolutely. So the exact scenario you described played out with uh, an organization we work with that is an auto mechanic shop nationwide, branches all over the place, and shops all over the place. And so we began to say, okay, yes, you want it to work on a mobile device, but let's think about the situation somebody is in when they're on a mobile device. If somebody's looking up an auto garage while they're on their phone, there's a really good chance there's a problem. So just having your traditional homepage show the exact same way on your mobile device and people still have to click through a bunch of offers and stuff to get through to contact you, going to be a bit of a hassle. We did a little bit of user testing and we were able to find the most common reasons people were pulling their site up on their phone was because something was wrong and they needed to organize to get a tow or to get somebody to come out and help them, give them a jump, whatever the case might be. They needed to find directions or they needed to call them to set an appointment. So we set aside some real estate on the top of the site that immediately gives you those three options if you pull it up on mobile. And they saw a huge increase in calls from mobile simply because of that one step and ultimately a lot of additional jobs. That's great. And you and I have talked about this a fair amount, where sometimes people focus on, in essence, the wrong metric. So they're almost thinking, well, how can I get, how do I get more page views? How do I get more clicks? And the reality is, most of us are probably doing this to generate more business. And I think that in some respects, technologists can focus on the technology and not focus on the business results you're trying to achieve. Absolutely. I think one of the most commonly misunderstood metrics is bounce rate. It's one of the ones I'm asked about most frequently. We get a lot of calls about it. There's a lot of concern about it. Uh, And we have one client that really gets it. And so I use them as a little bit of a showcase. Uh, But, you know, bounce rate is just the number of people that come in and they leave after one page. In many cases, people get everything they need out of one page. If you've got your phone number listed in the corner, maybe all they needed was your phone number. If they needed to just get your email address or contact information, click over to social media links, they can do that in one page. So there's some noise around that. But there's also some very intentional things you can do to change your bounce rate that you may want a very high bounce rate. For example, we work with a set of consultants that rank very highly for search around certain problems. And their homepage and the pages that people come into whenever they click through on search, at the top of the page, it basically says, look, if this problem isn't worth at least $50,000 to you, here's some information, but it's really not worth our time. And so they have a very high bounce rate. And that's by design. They were wasting a lot of time previously dealing with people who weren't qualified prospects that found this information, said, oh, these are the guys for me. They understand the problem. I've got a $5,000 budget to fix this. And they weren't in that client's wheelhouse. So now they reject a lot of the business that isn't a good fit for them. And they're able to spend a lot more time with the quality contacts that do come out and reach. So glad you said that, Chris, because one of the things that I notice is that people automatically think that more is better. And part of, I guess, the right web design 
is attracting the right people and repelling the people who aren't likely to be a good fit for you. And that may sound counterintuitive to a lot of people. Like, I don't want to repel anybody. I want to talk to the world, but there are only so many hours in a day. You can't waste time talking to people who aren't a good fit for you. Absolutely. It's a very, very common issue. Um, you know, we hear a lot of people that, oh, we need to increase the number of contacts we have. Okay, what do you want to accomplish with these contacts? And it's another one of those, it tends to be like this short-term metric where they're like, oh yeah, we just need to get the phones to ring. We just need a little bit of activity. But they don't think about the long-term that, okay, if your phone's ringing 24 hours a day with people that aren't a good fit for you, when are you going to talk to the ones that are? And so a big part of our process is not only taking a look at the metrics through the marketing process and what delivers as a marketing qualified lead, but how are sales handling the sales qualified leads and providing feedback to marketing to say, hey, this guy was a great fit. Whatever processes he went through on the website, whatever information he engaged with, seems like it's a home run. If we can get more like this guy, this would be great. And this other guy, it looked like he just was kicking around the bucket trying to find pricing information. Not really a great fit for us. Whatever we can do to help you know, begin to sift some of these guys out before they get handed off would be great. And then you begin to build a process that includes the marketing and sales team working as a unit and collectively looking at the information from the beginning of the relationship not into the end, not just the segment that marketing dealt with and then just the segment that sales dealt with. Sure. And, and and I know that you practice what you preach when it comes to this stuff. And I know that over the last several years, you've changed the way you approach business. So help everyone understand how you handled business a few years ago, kind of your mindset and approach to customers versus <laughs> how you approach it today. Uh, yeah. So we were just as guilty as most of our clients uh, of focusing on the short term. So for us, you know, if you're a hammer, everything's a nail. We started off as you know primarily a web design shop, and so every problem could be solved through web design. Uh, so we focused a lot on short-term qualitative metrics. Does the site look good? Is it aesthetically pleasing? Is it easy for you to update? Is there a content management system behind it? Does it work on mobile devices? Things like that. And what we realized is we were selling a lot of people short simply because we weren't you know taking their best interest to heart in the long term. You know, how is this going to possibly affect your business? How is this going to support your organization? We're the experts in this field and they trust us to go through and be able to help them solve these problems. And just like whenever you hire, you know, a consultant in any professional space, you expect them to, through their experience, you know, know what kind of unknowns you need to worry about, the known unknowns that are out there, not really on your radar. And so as we began to learn more and more about how a web presence affects an organization in the long term, we're able to transfer our or transform our entire process to be focused on value so that now everything about the way we engage with the client is different from the first couple of conversations to you know the way that we actually structure our deals our conversations around price around engagement around everything are very very different give me an example of how you would have approached someone in the in the past in terms of Okay, here's the structure of this of this project and how we're going to bill for it versus what that conversation's like today. Because because I think a lot of people are going to say, "Oh, great, you're focused on value. Yeah, it sounds great, but how do I actually do that?" So, what does it sound like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people, and thanks to a lot of the things that I've learned from you and you know some other folks as well, is that there's a lot of people that were in the same bucket that I was, uh, which is there was a lot of guesswork in proposals. And it was just kind of like, all right, you know, we know how much work there is involved. And, you know, if we think it's about this many hours, you know, we don't know how much hassle they're going to be or how much they're going to need to turn around. So there's some guesswork there. And we'd put together our 
best guess of what we thought the website was worth for a client and we'd put it in front of them and sometimes we'd be right, sometimes we'd be wrong. Either way, we were, you know, in the cases where we overshoot, you know, you're losing a deal and you're wasting time building out proposals that you shouldn't have been building out. And in the other ones where maybe you end up bidding too low, you're leaving money on the table where you could have provided additional value, but you were scared to kind of, you know, go for the home run swing. Whereas now, at the very beginning, our conversations are really, really different with clients. Uh, some of the first questions we ask are how the website or how the web presence impacts the organization. What does a new customer, new client look like? What does your average revenue look like? What does the lifetime value of a new customer look like? And we begin to get on the same side, so we're able to use these metrics to really determine, okay, well, based on what you guys get out of a new customer relationship, what we see around search volume and what we believe is possible through our research, we think you can get X, Y, or Z number of new customer relationships based on your existing metrics, conversion rates, all that fun stuff. And based on that, we think it's going to cost this much to build the website that you need to build to be successful. And based on what you've told us, there's going to be a positive ROI within seven months, eight months, a year, year and a half, whatever the case might be. But it puts us on the same side. There's no guesswork. It's a very upfront conversation. And I think the best part has been that there's no longer uh, a feeling or a negotiation where both sides feel like they're holding their cards face down. Everyone's looking at the same cards and we're just trying to find a way to make it work as a partnership. It feels a little much less vendor oriented than it used to. Yeah. So it's less adversarial. You know what? It, it warms my heart to hear you say the term same side twice in the same description. So it's just, uh, <laughs> and, and I, and I know that, I know that you've, you've been to some of the, uh, the programs that I've done and I will, I will tell uh, everyone should know that you embrace this stuff probably better than anybody. And before we had some of the tools that we have that help our clients, you built them for yourself internally, which blew us away and really caught our attention that, man, Chris is really serious about this. You know, you built tools into how you conduct meetings with clients before we had built the tools for our clients. <laughs> um, so that was a cool thing. So, so now when you're speaking with a client about results, compared to when you used to talk about just their services, how do your clients tend to react? Oh, I think it's a total transformation in the entire dynamic of our relationship. Um, you know, before it was, you hit the nail on the head, very adversarial especially if people had been like burnt by someone who said they were going to build a website before there's kind of that stigma. And if you're going through the same hoops that that other guy was going through, it's going to be a very similar setup for them. So they get very, very, you know, scared or defensive. Uh, and so they begin to kind of be very protective. Whereas the conversations that we have now, very, very open, very transparent, um, both in terms of, you know, what works and what doesn't. So ones where we realize it's not a great fit, we're able to realize it very easily. And we have, you know, some folks that we realize they weren't a great fit for us that are still awesome, you know, friends of the business and refer business to us. Uh, and just, I feel like every meeting we have now is the best meeting that we've had. It continuously <laughs> seems to get better as we get better at, you know, doing this on our side. So, so now when, when you're able to focus with your clients on results and you're talking early on about here's what we're planning to achieve, here's how we're going to create measurable results in your site, how does that impact or have you seen any impact on pricing pressure? And, well, this other vendor said they'd do X. I mean, do you, do you see that change much? Is it still the same or is it a little bit different? Uh, no, it's definitely different. There's not nearly as much comparison to 
other vendors, I find that we tend to have a much, uh, well, not much, but a, a longer and more in-depth, uh, you know, interview and pre-sales process. So whereas a lot of the folks that, you know, we tend to be up against are, okay, we're going to have a quick call. We're going to learn kind of the basics of what you need. We're going to fling a proposal at you. Um, the fact that we're just engaging in these much deeper conversations and much more meaningful conversations tend to put us on a different level and just a different playing field entirely. So the pricing pressure kind of evaporates because, you know, you're three conversations in where the first guy's proposal basically said, hey, we're going to cover all these surface level things that you said that you need. But by this third conversation, we've learned about some really deep needs that they have that they weren't able to articulate early. And now we're able to address them as well. And that's something those early stage proposals aren't going to be able to cover. And I know because I used to provide those early stage proposals, so it's really easy to draw a comparison. Yeah, and, and I know I know that in your business, um, you know you've you, you've definitely reached out to other people to get advice and input, um, and you know obviously I think that it requires a certain level of humility to say, okay, maybe I don't know everything, and I'm sure that comes through with your clients too. Yeah, I think there's a lot of appreciation around that because they know that they know their business best and they know that they don't know the web world, but they realize that there's this intersection where their information and our information are going to hit you know, this peak where they're going to get the best results. And so by jumping in and asking those questions and under, you know, being frank about, look, we don't totally understand your business as well as you, the person who runs it, does. So please share with us and we're going to share our advice and our experience where we find most appropriate to make sure that we get the best possible result out of this thing. And it's the result that you guys need to begin to move your organization forward. Yeah. And, and, and I imagine it's just it's an empowering thing, not only for your customers, but for your team as well, for your internal team, I imagine that instead of having discussions about how many hours have you built on this project or that, um, how, does, how does that change? I mean, do you, do you find internally a lot of your, your project status meetings are centered around the results rather than the effort? Yeah, that's been the, the internal transformation we've seen. It's very, very different. Like you said, it's no longer, you know, oh, are you tracking time against this project or how close are they to the end of, you know, their limit on scope, whatever the case might be. Uh, and the other thing is there's a lot more energy around it. Um, another big focus point around our business is not only are we focusing on results, but we focus on only working with organizations that we believe are heroic and that have a passion or a purpose beyond just their profits. Profits are obviously important, but by aligning ourselves with these causes and making sure that we're getting an impact, everybody on the team is just focusing on the fact that they care about what the outcome is. It's not just a job. It's something that they're very passionate about. And that's just very cool to have seen that transformation and you know, thank you for helping to be a part of it. <laughs> now, can, can you give me an example of an organization where, because it's it's kind of a nebulous concept to say, well, th- these are people who are thinking beyond just their their profits. Can you give me an example of an organization you worked with where, yeah, there's there's a profit or business component, but they go beyond that? Uh, absolutely. So one of my favorite stories to tell is about an organization called Starfish Retention Solutions. Mm-hmm. And they do. They offer software for colleges and universities to help retain students. Helps track, you know, how engaged a student is, be it academically or just on campus socially. And they can throw out indicators that, you know, oh, this student's kind of beginning to go sideways. There, what can you do to help bring them back into the fold and help make sure that they're going to have a successful, you know, career through their higher education? 
And they actually get their name from that, you know, fable of the boy and the beach with a starfish, which if you're not familiar with it, it's a boy's walking up and down the beach and he's picking up these starfish of which there's thousands and he's throwing them back into the ocean. And a man walks up and says, what are you doing? And he says, you know, I'm saving these starfish. And he says, well, there's so many, you can't possibly make a difference. And the boy picks one up, smirks, throws it in and said, I made a difference to that one. Mm-hmm. And that's the mentality these guys take to helping students. And by understanding their purpose and that they have this cause and they're so committed to helping, even if they help one student, they feel satisfied with the difference they've made. Very, very powerful and something you're much happier to be a part of rather than just, oh, okay, you know what? We got to push more real estate or we got to make sure that we're you know pushing more product, whatever the case might be. And whenever there's that passion around it, you could just see the whole team whipped into a frenzy and the outcome, both in the short and long term, was just much different than we'd seen in projects previously. So it was a real transformative uh, engagement for us. Yeah, and, and the whole business model where they spread starfish all around the university campus is unconventional. But uh. It's odd, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of power in it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? There's now people Googling that, like, do they really? No, they don't really. Um, <laughs> They're not dropped from a, a helicopter that flies over campus in terms of a celebration. Well, that, could be, that could be part of the next release, though. So that could... They'll do it with drones. It'll all happen. There um, we go. I'll have to let them listen. So, so, Chris, what's the greatest lesson that you ever learned from a business challenge that you experienced? I think the biggest lesson I've learned it was before I'd started my firm, I was working as a, a managing partner at an ad agency that was based out in D.C., and I was kind of setting shotgun to a meeting that was in progress. And we'd gone through and we were building this whole multifaceted multimedia campaign. And it was for uh, the cruise line industry. And so we get through, I mean, months of work and effort. And finally, we're getting ready to pull the trigger. And we're in the last meeting. And the guy who's running point in the meeting finally says, okay, you know, does this look good? Everyone's ready to go. And one guy finally raises his hand and says, like, I don't think this is going to work. One of the biggest selling travel agents in the country who we'd invited to the meetings to help see if, you know, we thought this campaign was going to pass muster. And we're like, oh, well, what don't you think is going to work? He shared a whole lot of reasons that he thought the, you know, verbiage was off throughout all of the offers on all these different mediums. And everyone's eyes are kind of big, like, why didn't you say something earlier? And he's like, well, I, I was never asked. I didn't know if I was just supposed to sit here and watch. And it seems so foolish, but I've always kept that in the back of my mind is just, always ask people for feedback. I try to end every meeting asking for feedback now. And I try to, whenever we're working with, uh, you know, organizations that have anybody who's customer facing, if we don't have at least one customer facing person engaged on the project side, we try to make sure that we get somebody who is client facing because they see problems on a day-to-day basis that other people might be too far removed from. And if you can, you know, save yourself at the 11th hour by making sure you ask for feedback from someone who's going to have a deeper understanding of it, you're going to save yourself a lot of headache. We probably saved that organization millions of dollars by not pulling the trigger on that campaign, you know, literally at the 11th hour, we're supposed to go live the next day. That's great. That's, you know, it's a great story, though. And it's that notion of the client saying, well, I didn't know I was supposed to offer input just because no one ever asked him. It's like, <laughs> look, I thought I was just supposed to rubber stamp everything. That's he thought he was just there just to kind of make sure that he knew what was going on. I'm just very, very glad that he uh, spoke up there at the end. Yeah. So if you had one piece of advice to share with the audience, what would that be? Um, You know, as far as our industry, we have a lot of people that want to reinvent the wheel and you don't have to waste that effort. There's a ton of information about there. There's, you know, just 
like I can't remember who the quote is from, but it's, you know, you stand on the shoulder of giants and there's so much that you can learn and you can perfect by building out models that already exist and you're going to rack your brain far less. Get it to the point where you've got that model built up and then tinker with it, but understand it first. So don't try to reinvent the wheel, you know, use some of the tried and true models and then begin to tinker with it and play around with it. And when you do tinker, keep notes, see what works, what doesn't work. Don't make it just something where you, you know, you feel like that worked better. Trust the data. Yeah. Outstanding. So, so finally, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Um, best way to get in touch with me is probably through our website. It's just yokoco, Y-O-K-O-C-O.com. Um, you know, you can contact us through there and, you know, that usually gets forwarded along to me or you can follow on Twitter if you'd like. I'm not super active there, but it's just at Chris Yoko. Yep. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me and thank you for a lot of the information and support through this transformation. I knew Chris would share some great information. Let me give you what I think are the top three actionable takeaways from our conversation with Chris. First, don't measure vanity metrics of like, shares, or page views. Instead, measure results and impact. Second, avoid shiny object syndrome. Basically, don't look for things that are just going to attract your interest. Instead, talk about what actions you want your audience to take and how you plan to impact them personally. And finally, realize that when you focus on results with your clients, then you all share enthusiasm about reaching a common goal. Nobody is just going through the motions. Remember that this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If you know a guest I should have on the show, or if you have a topic that you'd love for me to cover, send me an email personally at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at GrowMyRevenue.